Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. Let us uh, start uh, stand in honor of God's word if you're able. We're just going to read a few verses. Uh, start in verse number 33. <clears throat> Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and the fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasures bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that a man shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Let us pray. Lord, how thankful we are uh, for this day, Uh, Lord, this weekend being set aside to give you thanks. But Lord, every day ought to be a day we give you thanks. And Lord, we have so much to be thankful for in this church. And Lord, we've heard the testimonies this morning, Lord, of how good you are. No doubt, Lord, all of us could have testified for a very long time just of your goodness. And Lord, you've been good to this church. You've been good to me. Lord, you've been good to all of us. And Lord, there's not a time we can look at that you haven't been there and you haven't been enough. And Lord, we thank you for that. And, and Lord, tonight, I, this morning, I pray you take your word. God, I pray that you would speak to the hearts of all of us. I pray that I would not hinder this nor get in the way. Lord, remove me out of the way and let your word speak, I pray in Jesus' name, and amen. So, you'll have to wait, you'll have to uh, endure the message till we get to it, Uh, but I thought about what I am most thankful for, and as strange as it may be, this this is the text that come to my mind. And, you know, I can thank the Lord for a lot of things. I, I, I could stand here and thank him for, I have so much to be thankful for, family and health and, and food and, and all of the things that we have that are a blessing. But what I'd like to preach about this morning, I believe, is my greatest blessing. And Jesus makes much about the heart. And I believe we sometimes misunderstand what this means. And this morning, I would like to dig a little deeper into it and and learn what Jesus means by the heart. Brother Richard made a comment. We went over to uh, Norwalk last week, and he was riding with us, and he made a comment. I've thought about it all week long. Uh, I can't really get it off my mind. But this is what Brother Richard said. He said, Pastor, do you think that maybe churches have just got off the mark? We've just got off being lined up with the Bible. He says, it seems like everything we're learning in the Bible is not where Christianity is at. Can anybody else see that? Can anybody else see that, that, that we've gotten off the mark? Now, this subject this morning, I believe, is, is, is 
greatly misunderstood, and I believe that some very well-meaning churches have, have gotten this wrong. But do you see here how Jesus is saying that really what matters more than anything is your heart? If your heart is right, good things will come out of you. If your heart is corrupt, bad things will come out of you. And that is a fundamental of the Bible and, and is something we really need to understand. Now, a, a scripture that I don't mean this to be funny, but a scripture that has always stuck out to me, and I'm not, I don't mean to take this out of context, but uh, if you understand the meaning of the verse, uh, Proverbs 11:22 says, "A jewel as jewels of gold in a swine's snout, so is a fair woman which is without discretion." Now what does that mean? We've all seen uh, women who are just gorgeous on the outside and very, very ugly on the inside. Is that what that verse is talking about? And you first see her and say, wow, she is gorgeous. And then you get to talking to her and you think, I don't want nothing to do with her. <laughs> right? And, and, and so that is in the context of, of, uh, of perhaps looking for a woman, uh, but in the context of the church, are there not a lot of people who look good on the outside who are really quite ugly on the inside? And you know, that doesn't please the Lord. Amen? That, that doesn't please the Lord. So here's kind of how we do church often, and often here's where I think we kind of get off track. But someone comes down and they get saved, and, and they come and they give, they pray a prayer, and they pray repentance. So we get up and we say this, if now you're a Christian, you, you have to stop lying, and you have to stop cussing, and you have to go to church, and you have to quit committing adultery. And we give them this long list, you have to do these things. And by the way, if you don't do all these things on this list, you're not a Christian. I don't think that's what the Bible teaches at all. I don't think that's what the Bible teaches at all. But isn't that what churches kind of become? Give them a list. If they live the list, we'll say they're good Christians. If they don't live the list, we'll say they're not. I told Renee this story uh, a few of you know who David Crow is, but I heard him give his testimony. I thought it was a rather interesting testimony. But he was talking about him and his wife, and they were both raised in church. Uh, they were both part of the youth group. Uh, they, they actually got up and grew up and got married. He knew her since he was like, you know, 10 years old. Grew up and got married together. Uh, they, they were both recognized in the church as, as good people. Now, David Crow was a, he's a rotten scoundrel. He was out drinking and going to bars, doing all kinds, just doing a lot of bad things. But they thought he was a good person because he kept the list. His wife was an angel. She never had a drop of alcohol. She never said a cuss word. She never did anything wrong. She lived the perfect life. They were married. They were probably in their 20s. They went to a revival service one night, and David Crow is tore all to pieces with conviction. He's holding on to the seat. He's, he's agonizing because he doesn't want to go get saved. And his wife goes to the altar. And the only thing he can think of, he says, she's such a good person. She must be up there praying for me. And he's beginning to get very mad. 
He's thinking to himself, she's up there praying for me. She's trying to embarrass me. She's trying to make me look bad in front of all these people. They're going to think how bad I am. And she says she prays for a long time. She finally gets up. She goes up where the pastor's at. And she's standing in front of the congregation. And he said, my blood is boiling. He's thinking, when I get home, I'm going to let her have it. Because he knows she's going to say, my rotten husband back there needs to be saved. And what does she say? I got saved. I got saved. She'd been in church for years and years and years, kept the list perfectly, doing everything exactly right, and she said, I was never saved. Does that happen? You know, we hear of deacons and preachers and pastors and all kinds of people have been in church for years, and they get saved. You know why? They were given a list. If they kept the list, the outside looks good, we'll give you our approval. But Jesus never does that. Jesus isn't interested on the outside. May I remind you, if you take this in context, if you go back and look at who Jesus is talking to, the Pharisees had come to Jesus in, in verse 24 and back in the beginning of the chapter. The Pharisees have come to him and they begin to accuse him and fight with him as they always did. Who were the Pharisees? They were the people who kept lists, who did everything right, who looked good on the outside, who were corrupt on the inside. And then Jesus says, well, let me tell you, whatever's inside of you is what's going to come out. Right? Here's what I believe we ought to do instead of if you get saved, you have to do this and you have to do that and you have to do this. You know what I believe we ought to say? Okay, now you're a Christian. If you're really a Christian, you're going to want to come to church. You don't have to. You're going to want to. Does anybody here wants to come to church? If you have to come to church, you need to come to the altar. If you're coming here because it's required of you, because what people, you're here for the wrong reason. But if you love Jesus, you want to come to church. If you, we ought to tell them, if you're saved, you will want to obey the Bible. You'll want to do what God says. You don't have to, you want to. You will want to love other people. Now we say often that if the heart isn't changed, you didn't get saved. But do you guys see how that often if we give them a list, their heart cannot be changed and they're just keeping the list. And that's not that's not Christianity. So I believe we need to understand that, that what we need to do is, is have our hearts change and, and not just keep a list of rules. Now, that that is a uh, that is a. Uh, I guess nothing super new. We've talked about those things before. Uh, and, and that is a message I could preach on doctrine. We could preach about how to correctly understand biblically that context. We could talk about church uh, policy, how in our church we need to have a policy that, that, that we get it right when people get saved. We could talk about many things. But here's a strange thing I want to do. I want to take this text and I want to preach what I am thankful for. Okay? I want to preach what I'm thankful for. See, uh, Again, we could go into all the different meanings of this, but can I just tell you, I am thankful because I, listen, whatever you think about Gary, I know that I am not a good person, but I thank God for what's happened inside of me. See, I am a bad person who is living a good life because God changed me on the inside.
And I said, of all the things I could be thankful for, the most thankful thing I have is this. Here's what I meant by that. I've seen people with mansions who were not very happy. I've seen people with nice vehicles not very happy. I've seen people in perfect health not very happy. I've seen people who are married and have good kids and have standing in the community not very health, not very happy. See, you can have all of the things we thank God for, and we should thank God for those things. Amen? We ought to be thankful for those things. But those are not my number one thing, because we learned in Sunday school, if you didn't have your car, could you still be happy? Is Jesus enough? And that's what this is about. It isn't about uh, all of the other things I'm thankful for, but they are not the most important thing. When I lay down at night, my most precious possession is not that I have a house to sleep in, and praise God I do. It's not that I have family. You know what my most precious possession is? It's what he's done on the inside of me. He made me different. Can I just tell you guys, you guys have been very kind to me, but can I just assure you guys, you guys would not like me if Jesus hadn't changed me. You guys wouldn't want to be around me. I, 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 it would just be terrible. So, so let's dig a little deeper, see if we can get down to, to where Jesus is going with this, and, and then uh, um, we'll, put it into, we'll put it into practice a little bit. Flip with me over to, just for another verification, chapter 15, same book, Matthew 15, and verse number 18. If you'd look at that real quickly with me. <clears throat> Matthew 15 and 18. <clears throat> but those things which proceed out of the mouth, come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat that which is unwashed in hands defileth not a man." So Jesus said, every, if I could just put it in my own words, every time you outwardly sin, it's because of your heart. Is that not true? So I wanted to turn that around just a little bit and, and kind of look at it the opposite way of what Jesus is saying there. Is it also true that every time you do something good, it's because something good inside of you? He's changed you? Right? He's made you different. So, so what is Jesus talking about? Here's where I think we go wrong. And here's what I want to try and untangle a little bit. And then we'll, we'll, we'll uh, put some application into it. But what is Jesus, what is the heart Jesus talking about? What is, what is Jesus talking about? Because we talk a lot around this church about we can have head knowledge, we can have heart knowledge, and, and we talk about all these different things. But I'm afraid that most people don't understand what the heart is. We're going to try and understand that this morning. So is the, the heart that Jesus is talking about here, is that a feeling or an emotion? I'm going to challenge you that it's not. See, I think most people say when they, when they say I felt it in my heart, what they meant is I had an emotional experience, right? I you know, I feel this is what is right to do. I feel that is wrong. I felt like the Lord wanted me to do it. I felt, I feel something. How many of you know emotions change? 
How many of you know that the same person can have really good emotions and have really bad emotions? <laughs> is that true? You can have emotion of God is so good to me one minute, and we can wait 10 minutes later, someone makes you mad, and you can say, I just want to kill him. It's an emotion, right? Does that seem to line up with what Jesus is teaching us in, in uh, chapter 12? It doesn't line up. See, he doesn't say that on a good day when you're not being irritated, you'll be doing good things. And on a bad day, he said your heart is going to determine whether you do good or bad. So that can't be emotions because that changes continually. Now, is it not also true that we can take, I'm trying to show you that Jesus is not talking about emotions here. Is it not also true that we can take a bad person who is a rotten scoundrel, got drunk last night, sleeping around, doing all kinds of sinful things. We can bring them into church. We can bring, we can say we have an orphan in the church, need some help. And that, that bad person, because his emotions are stirred, will get his wallet out and give money. Does that make him a good person? No. Makes him a bad person, right? But his emotions made him do something good. The same thing, we can take a bad person, uh, or, or I'm sorry, we can take a good person who is a very, very good person, and the right emotions say anger can make that good person do something bad. What I'm trying to prove to you is emotions are so unstable that does not line up with what Jesus is teaching us in, in, in chapter 12 because he clearly says the tree has to, it either has to be good or bad, but it cannot be both, and the fruit that comes forth needs to either be good or bad, but it cannot be both, and whatever comes out of you comes from your heart. So can I just stop right here in the message and say, is there anybody here who'd like to have a good heart? I'd like to have a good heart. You know, I know I've brought this up many, many times, but in church, a lot of times you're in church with people, and, and again, people have been in church for years and years, but then you see church people, and thank God we don't have that here, okay? Thank God we don't have that going on here. But we have people in church that have horrible attitudes. Amen? We have people in, we have people in church who want to fight all the time. We have, people, we have all kinds of really bad things coming because something on the inside is not right. And they may be dressing a certain way and not cussing and not lying and, not, and doing all, they're keeping a list, but their inside is bad. I'm going to make a statement. You can do what you want to with it. <clears throat> But I believe this teaching right here, and again, we're not going to get into doctrine too much this morning, but I believe this right here, what we're talking about, I believe this is the difference between the broad road and the narrow way. See, there are a lot of people on the broad road. All over today, there are probably millions of people in church all over today, and a lot of them went in, they put in their offering, they carried their King James Version Bible, they had their suit and tie on, they kept the list, they don't lie, they don't cuss, they do this and do that, and they say, I am a good person. But is it possible that person's on the broad path that leads to destruction? See, that's not going to get us to heaven, people. I'm like, Josh, are you guys awake this morning? I think I need to jump around a little bit or something. You guys are... Do you guys with me? That is not going to get you to heaven. Keeping a list of rules and being good outwardly will not get you to heaven. What's going to get you to heaven? Letting God change what's on the inside so it comes out. That's what's going to make us different. And so if you're following that, if you understand that, you say, preacher, how does that work? I'm going to try to explain to you how that works. You need to stick with me uh, uh, to, to this explanation. <clears throat> I've talked before about body, soul, and spirit. We have the flesh who, that is sinful, that is, that is what you see, the outside of me. We, I have the soul, that is my intellect, that is my emotion, uh, that, is, that is 
my inward soul. But my soul is not what connects me to God. My spirit connects me to God. So we have body, soul, and spirit. The Bible teaches us that if you are not a Christian, your spirit is dead. We're dead in trespasses and sins. The Bible teaches us when we get, when we get saved, when you become a Christian, your spirit, uh, you have a brand new life, right? Life comes to you. So we got to figure out what's this heart that Jesus is talking about. He's referring to a heart that controls us. So if you guys will have this this morning, here's, here's Gary's uh, understanding of how, uh, of how this works. Okay. We can't, this guy over here, this body, he's, he's sinful. Okay. We have a soul, intellect, and, and, uh, emotion here in the middle. Will you guys have this this morning? We take and we put information in to our soul. That's called knowledge, right? We can learn about the Bible. We can learn right and wrong. We can learn what God says. We can, we can learn all the things that we can learn all these things. Those are truths of the Bible. That gives me intellect. You guys answer this question. Will intellect and having Bible knowledge give me a good heart? Not necessarily. I could just have a lot of head knowledge without getting into my heart. Then, so if you have head knowledge and you don't have the heart or you don't have your emotions engaged, it doesn't often end up changing your heart. If you, so let's turn that around. So let's say you're in a church and, and, and your emotions are stirred all the time, but there's no knowledge there. So now you go to church, you cry a lot, you feel a lot, you have a lot of emotional feelings, but there's never any Bible given to you. Will that change your heart? Do you guys see, here's my argument. Do you guys see how that if we can connect the intellect with the emotion, those two together can move into my spirit and change my heart? So my heart is not in my soul. It's not in my emotion. My heart is in my spirit. And my spirit uh, is controlled by my what I take in is information and what I take in is feeling. And then when those two come together, it makes my spirit, uh, my, it makes my heart change. So if you guys will have that, if that made any sense whatsoever, if, if you'll understand that, I believe that is how we change the heart. Uh, so we, we can pour in lots of information to you guys. Uh, it takes more than that. We can, we can have services where we cry our eyes out. It takes more than that. But when you put it together, God can take the, the head knowledge and the, in the putting your feelings into it and he can turn it into your heart. And that, and that's what we want to understand this morning. So <clears throat> let's do a little exercise, uh, and if you have your papers there, I want you guys to uh, to kind of participate with this. Uh, so I I am more thankful for this than, as I've said, anything that, that God has blessed me with. And as we go through this, I want you guys to be honest. How many of you know that if you go to a doctor, you got something wrong with you, and you lie to him on everything he asks you, he can't make you any better? Is that right? Oh, oh, doc, I'm not really having trouble with that. No, that doesn't bother me then he doesn't help you. So you, you can look at this and you can lie to yourself and, and it, you're not going to help yourself. Maybe you need to cover it up so nobody sees it, but, but let's be honest this morning. I just scribbled down five things here uh, that, that really form Gary's heart. I hope that it will speak to your heart. I'm sure that we could, you could use this uh, on a long, long list that you could make. But can I tell you, I know... The Bible is true. 
I know the Bible is true. Now, intellectually, I have read a lot of books. I have done a lot of study on, on why this is the Word of God and why this is the accurate translation. And all the, I've, I've studied and I've studied and I've studied and I've studied. I've done a lot of intellectual things. But can I tell you, uh, that did not make me know this is the Word of God. That was intellectual knowledge. Can I tell you, I love this book. Since I was a little child, I've been told this is the Word of God. I, 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 it has meant the world to me. I, I, have, I have seen great things happen. This I know this book will change your life. Uh, but can I tell you, when I put those two things together and I move it into my heart, can I let you understand that I know in my heart this is the Word of God? Now we're going to get to why that's so important, but I want you to understand. So what I want you to do is, as you're reading through this thing, uh, do you know, intellectually, do you know this is, this is Bible is true? Do you know in your emotions that this word is true? But is there anybody in here that in your heart of hearts, where only God is, you know this is true? You say, what difference does that make, Pastor? Well, let me show you. I listen to apologists and all kinds of, I listen to all kinds of stuff nobody else is interested in, but I listen to all kinds of stuff. I've heard some really, really smart people try to explain why the Bible is wrong. Can I tell you I've come too far? I've come too far. I don't think, you know what, he's got a good point. I don't think maybe he's right. You know what I think? There is nothing you can do to convince me this is not the Word of God. It's in my heart. You can put a gun to my head. You can put me in prison. You can torture me. You can do what you want to do. The whole church here can decide they don't believe in the Bible. Uh, you guys can do what you want to. But I know this is the Word of God. It runs my life. It is my life. It is my everything. I know this is Word of God. And I don't know it in my emotions. I don't know it in my intellect. I know it in my heart. And everything it says is right. And everything it says, I want to do. And if you know that in your heart, it produces a certain kind of fruit. If you don't know that, see, there are people who say there are Christians who intellectually say, yeah, I've been taught that this is the word of God. If they hear someone smart enough convincing them why this is wrong, they might question it. There are people who emotionally, they've never studied it, but emotionally they've, they've just, emotionally they've thought this is the word of God. But if you press them hard enough, they'll back up on it. But can I tell you, when you get this in your heart, nothing can take it away from you. Am I making sense at all this morning? <clears throat> I know, number two, I know that I am going to heaven. <clears throat> I know that. I don't wonder, I don't think, I don't, I'm not curious. Now listen, I've studied, I've studied justification. I've studied all of the doctrines of, the, of, of salvation. I've studied all, I've heard preachers teach it. I, I've done lots and lots of reading out, lots and lots of stuff. I have the head knowledge. I have cried over my sins. I have been emotional about my, my salvation and, and the Lord saving my souls and taking away my I've had all of that. But can I tell you, it moved from being head knowledge and from being emotional. It moved into my heart. I know I am saved. 
I know I am going to heaven. Not because I'm a good person, says Georgia. Not because I do always do right. Because the word of God and the spirit of God has let me know I am going to heaven. Now here, here's what it is, guys. It's settled. It's settled. I don't lay down at night and wonder, was I good enough today? I don't lay down at night and wonder, will I make it if I don't wake up in the morning? I don't worry if the rapture comes, am I going to go? I don't worry about what this world's going to do because I'm not going to be here. Amen? I, it's settled. If I walk out of here, before I get to the stand, if I drop dead and have a heart attack, listen, guys, I'm going to heaven. If I'm in a bad car accident that takes my life, I'm going to heaven. That is settled. See, what difference does that make? Anybody here ever have a bad day? Anybody ever have a bad day? Anybody ever have a day when the devil decided to spend a day at your house? Anybody ever have the devil try to put some doubts in your heart? Listen, it's settled. We don't talk about that anymore. When he comes knocking on my door and is going to explain to me why I'm not going to heaven and the accuser of the brother starts pointing out all of the faults that are on me, I say, no, got that settled. I'm going to heaven. Is anybody getting this? See, that's why so many Christians are up and down, up and down. They're in their emotions, up and down. I, I was good today. I think I'm saved. Today, I'm, I'm not sure I'm saved. And I'm saved. And I lost my son. All these crazy things. Listen to me. I know I'm going to heaven. It's settled in my heart. If this church collapses, I'm going to heaven. If my family leaves me, I'm going to heaven. If I don't have food to eat, I'm going to heaven. I've got it. I'm not going to lose it. Amen? Amen. Because it isn't about me. It's about Jesus. Now, if Jesus breaks his promise and lets go of me, I might not make it. No, I won't make it. But unless that happens, I'm going to heaven. And that changes my heart. That, that changes who I am. So I know the Bible is true. I know that I am going to heaven. I know my calling. Listen, I, 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 again, I have studied a lot about callings. I've had a lot of emotion about callings. I've had all of these things to, to convince me of that. But I know my calling. In my heart, I know my calling. Now listen, you're sitting, well, you're a preacher. I'm not talking about that. Every one of you have a calling. Rachel has a calling. Chrissy has a calling. Jamie has a calling. Charles has a calling. This isn't about if you're a preacher or not. Don't get hung up on that. See, I know, I know that I know that I know that God called me to preach. But I also know that I know that I know that God called me to be a pastor. But beyond that, as I preached last week, I also know what my calling is. What, what God's got me here for. And see, here's the thing about that. Back to the devil. You know, there's a lot of you doing a lot of things in the church right now. Uh, you know, whether it's uh, um, all the working on the ministries we're doing or helping with the kids or all the different things. Do. Has anybody ever here this morning with your calling, has the devil ever messed with you? You ain't supposed to be doing that. What are you doing that for? You don't deserve, they don't like you. Has anybody ever had those thoughts? Does anybody thought, well, I, I don't think I'm making a difference. I think I'll just stop. See, the devil gets in and he starts working. And if he's working in your flesh and he's working in your soul, he's going to get you. He's going to win. But can I tell you, if you get it in your heart, 
he has a hard time with you then. Am I making sense to anybody? See, I know why I'm here. Have I had bad days? Yes, I have. Have I thought about quitting thousands of times? Has bad things has discouraged me? Yeah, absolutely. Have there been times I thought there's no use? Yes, I have. But I know my calling. And the devil's not taking it away from me because I got it settled in my heart. And that brings out what I do. That brings out my life. So if you are here this morning, if your job is to take care of little kids, if your job is nursery duty, if your job is to greet people as they come in the door, whatever your job is, doesn't matter. Everybody here has a calling. Everybody has a calling. Everybody has a reason you are here. Can I tell you this morning to the Sand Hill Church, to all of you guys, you need to drive it down with a stake and say, this is why I am here. And this is what I'm going to do. It doesn't matter what comments I hear. It doesn't matter what, whether it goes good. Can I let you just in a little secret? Being a pastor, there's some bad days. There's some days things don't go good. There's some days when you think, what in the world am I doing here? <laughs> I, I, I can't be a pastor. doesn't matter. My calling never changes. Am I making sense to you guys? Everybody here has a calling. And if you have a calling, can I promise you, you will get, you will get uh, uh, discouraged, you will get harassed, you will have the enemy try to talk you out of it. All those things won't take it away from you if you have it in your heart. Number four, I know I belong at Sand Hill. I'm going somewhere with this, so just hang on. Don't jump ship yet. I know that I belong at Sand Hill. Let me say this real clear. I've been here since a little boy. Church is sentimental to me. It's not why I'm here. It's not why I'm here. I know what this church believes. I know what this church stands for. I know a lot of things about this. I have, I have intellectual knowledge. I have a lot of emotion about this church. If I was to leave this church, it would be difficult for me emotionally, sentimentally. It would be difficult for me. Let me just ruin the whole service right here. Let me just ruin the whole service right here. This building is sentimental to me. If the Lord blessed us and we outgrew this and went somewhere else, it would hurt because I'm sentimentally attached to this place. I've been coming here since a little boy. That ain't what it's about, people. That ain't what it's about. It's about Jesus. And I'm not at Sand Hill because it's sentimental. Oh, you just go there because your dad went there. No, I don't. You just go there because you, no, I don't. Can I tell you, there's a lot of other places I could go. This is where my heart is at. This is where my heart is at. Now, Sister Georgia, has there been times I wanted to leave Sand Hill Church? Lots. Have there been times it hasn't went good here? Lots. But my heart is here. Is anybody getting this? When your heart is here? This is where you are. Here's what I know. I can get aggravated. I can get mad. I can do whatever I want to. But here's what I know. This is where my heart is. If I go somewhere else, I will never be happy. Because this is where my heart is at. Are you guys with me this morning? If you know the Bible's true, you know you're going to heaven, you know you're calling, you know that uh, the, the Sand Hill Church is where you belong, you are driving down some stakes that are mighty hard to be pulled up. And lastly, and again, we could add a lot of things to this list, but just trying to give you something real, real clear here this morning. Lastly, I believe in our purpose. I believe in what we're doing. 
Me and Renee just had a long discussion this morning on the way to church, and she was talking about how, you know, we can, there's, there's a thousand things we could get involved in. There's all kinds of good ideas, but is this what God wants us to be doing? Uh, me and Josh have been hashing this out since the beginning of 2020, uh, what we're doing. We don't want to do it because we've always done it. We don't want to do it because it's tradition. We don't do it just because just to be doing something. We don't want to do it because it's a good idea. We want to do it because we know this is what God says to do. And like I preached a few weeks ago, if God says do it, we can do it, people. We can do it. But if it's a good idea we come up with, it's going to be tough. Now, I believe in what we're doing. I believe in our purpose. I believe what we, uh, uh, the ministries we are doing, I believe that we, what we are here for. I don't just believe it in my intellect. I don't just believe it in my emotion. I believe it in my heart. You say, what does all of that have to do with things? So, so the strangest thing, if you have your paper there, the strangest thing, Thanksgiving weekend, supposed to be talking about what we're thankful for, but Gary's preaching on the heart. Now he gives us this long list of things. And the strangest thing, he has a title to the message of stable. What? what? We're not talking about where the cows are, okay? We're talking about, we're talking about stable, okay? What in the world does that have to do with being thankful in the heart. Can I tell you, there's a lot of Christians who are not stable because they don't know where they belong. There's a lot of Christians who are not stable because they don't know if the word of God's true. There's a lot of Christians that are not stable because they don't know if they're going to heaven or not. But can I tell you that if in your heart of hearts, you know the Bible is true, you know that you're going to heaven, you know why you were here and what your calling is. You know you belong at Sand Hill Church and you believe in what we're doing. Does anybody see where the devil has a real hard time now? See, when those things are up for debate and when they're in your emotions and when you're de deciding, should I be here or should I go somewhere else? Should I, is this my calling or is this not my calling? Uh, do I believe the Bible? Do I not? Am I going to be obedient or am I not? There are all kinds of questions you have to ask. Adrian Rogers always says, if you make one big decision, it takes care of a whole lot of little decisions you don't have to make anymore. I don't have to read my Bible and wonder, am I going to do that? It's God's word. I'm going to do it. I don't have to come to church and wonder, should I be down the road somewhere? This is where I'm supposed to be. And my call, everything is already settled. I don't have to talk. When the devil knocks on my door, I say, listen, I already got it settled. Do you guys understand the difference between a conviction and believing in something? Give you a little illustration. <clears throat> I like to wear a suit to church. Everybody knows that. I like to wear a suit to church. I feel like it shows respect for God. I believe in that. Can I tell you that if they put me in prison and put a gun to my head, I'll wear whatever they want me to wear. Do you guys get that? I'm not dying for wearing a suit. I'll wear a suit because I believe in a suit, but it's not a conviction of mine. It's not a, I'll die for it. But if they put a gun to my head, and say, deny this is the word of God, just go ahead and pull the trigger. There ain't no discussion. If they want to discuss whether Jesus was really God or whether he was not, go ahead and pull the trigger. It, it's, it's, it's not changing. There are convictions that you do not budge on no matter what, and there are other things you kind of believe it until it gets too tough, and then you'll, then you'll give in to it, right? 
And we need convictions. And I'm just telling you, if you have all of these convictions, so I don't know what your, your chart looks like that you've got there, but if you've got five of those things marked under heart, if all of those things are in your heart, you are stable. You're, you're not easily moved. In, in, in uh, youth camp, we learn about being unmovable. Hey, listen, if you want to be stable, you got to drive some things down and get it up. But if you look at this list and you say, I know it in my head, I know the Bible, but I don't have it in my heart. I know that I hope I'm going to heaven, but I'm not sure in my heart. I, I know maybe why I'm here, but I'm not sure. You're unstable. You're unstable. And we want to be stable. <clears throat> so what difference does it make? What difference does it make? <clears throat> Stick with me. This is kind of why I started thinking about this for Thanksgiving. I got to thinking about, <laughs> I'm all the time putting down emotions, now I'm going to talk about emotions. I got to thinking about how I feel about a lot of things. And I got to thinking I wouldn't have those feelings if it wasn't for my heart. Do you know because of everything I just gave you, those, those five things there that I just gave you, do you guys know that because of that, I love people? Now, I know I'm the pastor of the church, and, and, and I suppose that's different maybe than the rest of you. And I hope everybody here loves everybody. But can I tell you, I don't just say that with my lips. I don't just tell you that I love you. Deep down in my heart where nobody else can go, I love you guys. There, there's not one person here that's an exception. There's not one person here that I don't love. There's not one person here that I don't like. There's not one person here that I don't dearly love. There's not one person that's not special to me. And can I tell you that feeling of love is what the whole world's looking for, and it's what I have found? That love for people. <laughs> for Charles. Here we go, Charles. How do you love this bunch of people? <laughs> There's some messed up people here. There's some warped people here. Can I tell you, I don't care. I love you guys with everything that's in me. You can't take that away from me. Say, what if they disappoint you? Still love them. What if they let you down? Still love them. What if they do some really, really bad sin? Still love them. God put it in there. Here's, here's, here's what got me thinking about this message. There's nothing that money can buy replaces that feeling I have of love for you guys. Right? And I get to feel love because my heart has been changed and God has given me a heart with all these things that I just read to you. Not only do I love people, but I love, I love the work. See, if you go back to that list, if you do believe in the purpose and believe we're supposed to be a sandhill, believe in your calling, I've watched Sister Velvet over and over out there uh, trying to feed all of us and whether it be camp or some special event or whatever is going on, and where a lot of maybe people would think, that looks like a lot of work. That's not, she loves taking care of us. See, though if let me say this real plain. If the work is grievous to you, your heart's not right. We got a lot going on right here. Jessica tells us a couple minutes, we got a lot going on around here. We got the nativity going on. You know, there's always a lot going on here, right? But if the work is grievous, you need to check your heart. It's not that guy over there. It's this guy over here. If this guy over here is okay, he'll carry that guy. Has anybody here ever had the flesh give out on you? <laughs> ever, anybody heard something, my flesh is tired, I can't do anymore? We all have, right? Especially at this church. But if your heart is right, you'll kick that guy and say, get going. But if your heart's not right, you're never going to make it. Isn't he with me? 
Your heart's got to be in it. You got to love the work. It's crazy what we do around here, and it's crazy how much work we do, and it's crazy how much you guys put into that work, but you can't do that if your heart's not right. I believe, I love the Bible in my heart. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with that. I think everybody knows that. I love going to church in my heart. I've already said that, but I hope that everybody here says that. You know, we, I, I, I'm, I don't want to make anybody go to church. If you don't want to go to church, stay home. Say, Pastor, don't say that. Well, here's the thing. If you're coming and you don't want to be here, what good's it going to do you? But can I tell you, if you're saved, you ought to want to go to church. You ought to have a desire. I like what Miguel said. Oh, we could stay home. We could read our Bible. We could listen to sermons. Yes, we could. But we got a desire to go. Everyone, and I just tell you just real plainly, I don't care if you're saved or if you're lost. If you are a Christian, you've lost your desire to go to church, you need to come to the altar. Because when your desire is gone, your heart is not right. But shouldn't we get up and say, I get to go to church. Not I have to, not I'm required to, not it's a, a something, a duty that I do. I get to go to church. I love to go to church. And can I just tell you, if you come to church, we're going to have some fantastic Sundays. Can I just tell you, we're going to have some lousy Sundays. Can I get an amen? Some days we come out here and think, that was so much fun. That was amazing. Other days we come out here and we think, oh, that wasn't all that great. <laughs> right? Being honest. But can I tell you, I love to come to church. I love to come to church. When we have crummy services, I love to come to church. I get to see my brothers and sisters. I love to come to church. And so when your heart's right, everything changes. When your heart's not right, uh, everything is, uh, is messed up for you. Let me just say this real quick, and we'll move on. <clears throat> I'll say this plain. Please listen to me. My heart isn't somewhere else. And this church interferes with my heart and what I want to be doing. This is my heart. See, if there's something out in the world, a hobby, a sport, uh, uh, an entertainment, an activity, anything else, and, and that is your heart, and church kind of intrudes on that. I got to go to church instead of doing that. I got I to gotta not do that because of church. I wish it hurt me get this over so I can go do that. Your heart's not right. Because if your heart's here, there ain't nothing out there in that world compares what we're doing in here. A lot of you guys kill me, which is the way church should be, by the way. But we, we let out a service. <clears throat> you know, I usually don't preach very long. Everybody knows that. But <clears throat> we let out a service, and we're, and we're here, and, and service is out. And what happens? On Sunday night, what happens? 45 minutes later, we're all still here, right? You know why? This is where our heart's at. I'm not rushing away because I got to get where my heart's at. I'm not rushing away from an event so I can go to where my heart's at. I'm, let's hurry up and get this mission so I can go where my heart's at. No, this is where my heart's at. You know what we mostly do? You know what a lot of us do? Crazy, crazy, crazy. You know what a lot of us do when the work is over? We stay here. <laughs> What's wrong with us? You say, you guys just don't have a life. Oh, no, this is my life. This is my life. This is my heart. And nothing out there can, can, can allure me. Can I tell you, there's never been an entertainment invented that's as good as this. Does anybody believe that? There's never been an activity, anything I could go to, sporting, hunting. There's nothing can compare to this. And when that is more better than this, your heart is not right. Amen? You guys with me? <clears throat> All right. So last question, I just want to ask this 
real genuine, sincere. What do you do if you're sitting here, whether you wrote it down or whether you didn't, what do you do if you figured out your heart's not right? You know, I can't always judge your heart. You might be like that woman with a jewel in her snout, right? That, that pig that looks good on the outside, right? But on the inside, you're not so, not so good. Maybe you've listened to this message and you've said secretly to yourself, my desire is not always here. My desire is not always for the people. Maybe there's a lot of things on that list you couldn't mark down. It's in your heart. What do you do then? Can I tell you that we're going to start right back where we go right back to where we started. It's good to have instructions and know the truth. There are some people can't get their heart right just simply because they've never been taught the truth. It's good to learn truth. But can I just tell you, if you'll come to this church, you're going to get some truth. You're going to get the truth given to you. But the truth is not enough. Once you get that truth and you understand what you're supposed to do, it's going to take some prayer and some surrender. See, I can know what I'm supposed to do, and I cannot do it. I can pray about it. Anybody ever do this? Lord, I, I, I need to have a better desire to go to church. Help me to have that better desire to go to church. You get up, and then the next thing you know, there's some event going out in the world, you got to go do that event in the world. You know what? You prayed, but you didn't surrender. See, we ask God for a lot of things he doesn't give us because our heart's not right. If I genuinely say, Lord, more important than that, what I'm out there enjoying, would you take that away from me and make me want to be in your house? And I surrender it. How many of you think he'd answer that prayer? Here's the truth, people. We don't want to give up what we're enjoying out in the world. And if I prayed that sincerely enough, he might answer it, and then I'd rather go to church than go have fun. So I don't want to do that. And I'm trying to tell you, you need to get your heart right. If you're not a Christian, the Bible says your soul is dead or your spirit is dead. Your soul is alive, but your spirit is dead. And that means that your, your spirit's not good. You might be a good person. You might do good things. You might do a lot of charitable things. But in your heart of hearts, you're not always wanting to do what God wants. And so I'm encouraging us this morning, while we're thankful for our hearts that we have, maybe we need some heart checkup. Maybe we need to see if our heart needs to change. Maybe we need to do a little bit of praying, a little bit of surrendering. We're going to give you that opportunity right now as we stand across the building. <clears throat> we pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.